This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week television podcast. I'm James Manning, the editor of Media Week. Joining me is our regular Friday contributor to the Media Week Morning Report newsletter, Andrew Mercado. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi, James. Thanks for having me again. Now, look, there's only one place we should start today, isn't there? And that's Wow. <laughs> that is the cancellation of the TV Week 2020 Logie Awards. Look, I suppose it's not shocking because we're living in a world at the moment where we're getting shocking decisions all the time, but it does seem, it does seem strange to me that they've cancelled the whole event and said that they're just going to do it next year and put all the shows together. That, you know, I, I don't quite understand why we couldn't have done it this year and just done an online ceremony and still handed out the award. I mean, Barry Cassidy's already tweeted, why don't we just do it online? And I mean, if you look at things like the daytime Emmys in America, they've done shows online. And I don't know that it's really fair to uh, everyone that's made all these great shows to now say, oh, sorry, you're going to be in a 24-month period of shows instead of 12 months, even though I'm sure there's going to be a six-month period where we're going to have no uh, content because everything has stopped production now in uh, TV 2020. But look, you know, James, this could be part of a bigger picture, couldn't it? I mean, the Logies have been cancelled, but the bigger picture here is Bauer Media, who owns TV Week magazine, who do the TV Week Logies. And uh, I mean, there's a bigger story going on there that we don't know the full details of yet. So the Logies is a casualty of that. Yeah, look, to me, that's the, the bigger picture is the only way I see as an explanation of, for what's happened. Um, yeah. Clearly, there's no cost problems with running a virtual awards, whether you just have it as a strictly online reveal of the winners or, yeah. or Nine might do a, a TV show. They did a, a brilliant virtual TV show last weekend on Aussie Music. Um, they got that together in less than 10 days. That's right, they did. You know, TV Week would presumably be a lot less challenging than that because you've only got limited categories uh, and you'll know the winners beforehand. So you only yeah. do crosses to those people. It doesn't need to be live. You can no. pre-record it all. So the, the bigger picture with Bauer, I think, is, is what is their commitment to Australia? Yeah. We saw them pull the plug on New Zealand completely, you know, just close down all their magazines, sack all the staff. Who would have thought that could happen? Um, I think it's unlikely they'll go that far in Australia, but I think they have been trying to exit the market here. There's been talk about them trying to sell the company or other people interested in taking it over. Um, but, yeah, that, to me, I, I just think the people at TV Week would be disappointed. The TV Week readers will be disappointed. And as yeah. you mentioned, people in the industry are going to be disappointed. I mean, you, you can um, write the show, the uh, awards off as just a a fan magazine's popularity, but it's become a lot more than that, hasn't it? Well, the show has always been uh, awards voted for by the readers of TV Week and outstanding categories. And when you think of some of the great Aussie shows we had uh, the last year, amazing shows like Lambs of God and Total Control and Robbie Hood 
and Old People's Home for four-year-olds. All of these amazing TV shows we had uh, last year that may not win awards now because they might get lumped into something else or maybe we're not going to have another ceremony like this again. I mean, nobody knows what's going on. But, yeah, I'm sure if you worked on one of those great shows, uh, you'd be feeling pretty disappointed that, you know, you're not going to get any recognition this year. Yeah, I just just hope it. Um, I hope it doesn't mean brands like TV Week are under threat, you know, because it would be a, a pity to lose that. And and not everybody thinks it's a perfect magazine all the time, but it's it's so in these days of different disappearing disappearing um, print and sort of online publications as well. It's the it's the biggest thing we have that sort of supports the industry. Yeah, and you know, James, I every I've been buying it every Monday morning since I was ten years old. You know, I get out of bed on a Monday morning and go up to get coffee and go into that newsagent and buy a hard copy and come home and read it from cover to cover. I've done it my whole life and uh, I know that if it wasn't on the shelf, I know straight away that there's no other magazine, there's no uh, insert in a newspaper or magazine in a Sunday newspaper that does what TV Week does. So there'd be a huge gap there in covering uh, Australian television shows if it wasn't there. I hope it's uh, not a title for the block. I mean, let's face it, Bow Media have got a lot, of, a lot of other worse magazines, in my opinion, than TV Week. I mean, you could lose a magazine like NW. Nobody would cry if that magazine stopped and, you know, but you know, there's some key magazines there like the Women's Weekly and, and I would say that TV Week is, is iconic uh, as opposed to some of the other titles. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if, they, um, if there is any reaction from Bauer or TV Week to the kickback about the, um, well, they call, they call it a postponement, but it's not. It's been cancelled really. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, yeah, just two years in one event show just doesn't work at all, I don't think. It's, it would be very bizarre how do you vote? Do you have two awards? You know, do you have an award for in each category for each year or do they compete against each other across the two years? It's, it's really strange. Yeah, it's a real shame. And, you know, I, look, you know, as I sit here and look at uh, the fact that we're running out of new TV content now for 2020, you know, this announcement, announcement makes me think more than ever, you know, that Channel 9 could devote one of their digital channels every uh, weekend to screening an old te Logies telecast from years gone by. I mean, think of it. Think if you were to show, the moment this announcement was announced that the Logies were off, social media was alive with clips from former Logie telecasts. In particular, there's a really bad opening number with Daryl Summers and Kerry ann Kenley where they missed their cues and people immediately started going, oh, no, we're going to miss out on this. Imagine the type of social media talk you could get if you were to play Logie's telecasts in their entire duration, a different year every Saturday night. Imagine social media going on about shows that they'd forgotten about, the fashions, the musical numbers. You could turn this into this event and have... So many people talking to it. And then at the end of it, you could just do an online version for this year. You know, it's just, there's so much opportunity with material sitting in vaults at Channel 9 that could be repeated that they never do repeat. And they could be creating so much chatter about the Logies and building it up to what would be a reduced ceremony this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess one of the, 
the problems I see with that is they might say, look, there would be rights problems with a lot of the clips from various shows, but you could just edit that stuff out, I guess, and make, make it into a package of, for a show that might have run for two or three hours, cut yes. it down to 60 or 90 minutes. and Totally. It's a guy in an edit suite cutting down what are sometimes three or four-hour telecasts into something snappy and keeping the best bits about it. What a great snapshot of our history, but, you know, I can't see it happening. It's just you and me talking about it, James. But, yeah, very sad that we won't have a Logies this year. And, you know, Bauer did a backflip too because just four weeks ago they said, look, the event on the Gold Coast isn't going to go ahead, which nobody would have expected, so that's totally cool. No problem there. But we will be persevering with the nominations and the voting. Yeah. And then yeah. now all of a sudden the plug's been pulled. I noticed in the release there was no comment from Nine, which made me a little bit suspicious if Nine were on the same page as um, TV Week and Bauer. But I, I reached out to Nine and they just came back with a short statement that said, we are supportive of the decision Bauer has taken and we and appreciate the ongoing support from the Queensland government. Um, wow. So it didn't really say a lot there, though, but um, no. I, I just get the feeling that Nine would have been prepared to, to put a program together because it would have performed well. Yeah, yeah, it would have, you know. I, I, I agree with you. What you said about that Anzac Day concert being thrown together last week, uh, you know, you, you, could, you could throw it together really quickly and people would be on board. Everybody in the arts industry and the TV and entertainment I industry is doing it really hard at the moment. Imagine the kind of let's for one night remember that we make great TV here in Australia. It would have been a great morale booster, I would have thought. Yeah. Well, I, I think you've had a great idea about showing those old... Um, uh, Maybe they're not all around, but I'm sure a lot of them would be. They're so. around, James. I've been in that warehouse at Channel 9 that has all those stuff. I put, you know, when I was researching, trying to figure out which episodes of the Don Lane show to put onto a DVD for Umbrella Entertainment, um, I had a big chat to the people in the vault there. All those Logie monies are there because I was trying to talk Umbrella into releasing them. I said, people would buy this. It's such a snapshot of... Uh, where we were in terms of pop culture and there'd be so many um, stars and TV shows that you wouldn't even remember if you watched a broadcast from 1980. That'd be the ultimate nostalgia kick. Certainly something for Nine Now as well too, isn't it? I mean, you know, it'd be uh, really fill their vaults. Uh, while we're still on Nine, I, I wanted to mention Lego Masters. Yep. I didn't watch much of last year, which, of course, it was uh, did sensationally perform well, did did huge audiences. It's come back this year. The numbers are down a little bit, it's, but it's still dominating it as the number one show. Gee whiz, it's pretty good. I mean, the the actual builds, I've seen two episodes of this season. The builds are just phenomenal about what those people achieve. In, I mean, some of the builds are pretty long. They do like 10 hours or something. It must, yeah. must be pretty gruelling. But... Um, just fantastic to watch. Yeah, look, I'll admit that I haven't seen a lot of it. You know, thankfully, Gogglebox brings me up to date uh, with these shows. But, you know, I, it's great. I think I, I, I'm a big supporter of any show that you can sit down and watch with the family. A show where children sit in front of free-to-air TV with their parents and everyone watches the show and on the same page, I'm a big fan of that. So any show that fits that brief, I give a thumbs up to. Yeah, and Hamish Blake is really having some fun with the 
sort of um, reality genre, if you like. He's making lots of jokes about, you know, things other shows would do and, you know, sort of winking at the camera and saying, but we don't do that and, and then doing something <laughs> similar, you know. So it, it's, it's a fair bit tongue-in-cheek. Um, made by um, Endemol Shine Australia, of course. They've just got a fantastic track record. They, they did Married at First Sight. Um, yep. They do Survivor, of course. Just their uh, catalogue of big um, reality formats at that time of night is, is um, really good. And I think it's maybe, I thought Channel 7's um, house rules, one of the problems is Endemol Shine don't make it, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Some, they should get them in to consult on that format and give it a bit of a, a buff up, a bit of a polish, and it, um, it uh, might perform a little bit better for them. Um, yeah. Something else that just started recently, I don't think we talked about this last time because it hadn't actually started, MasterChef Australia, the um, new season. Now, I always forget this. Are you a MasterChef or you're not a MasterChef? No, I'm not a MasterChef. But it's, um, look, the ratings are sensational this year. Very clever to launch it in the second week of the Easter survey break when it didn't have to go up against Lego Masters. The numbers have been very strong. Um, still doing a million on many nights, did over a million last night. Uh, the new judges are Jock, uh, Melissa and Andy. Andy, of course, a former winner. Um, Jock, a chef from Adelaide, and Melissa, sort of a, a food blogger and TV host. And they're doing a great job, and, it's, and they've taken the show back to really, it's even more of a pure food program than it was under the old judges. And I think the audience has really appreciated that. We did talk about this in our last podcast because I remember David Knox was chatting and we talked about the fact how brilliant it was that Gordon Ramsay was brought in to do that transition of introducing the new judges. So he was there that first week. That was just so smart. Whoever decided to get the biggest guest in for week one, that was brilliant to introduce the audience to the new judges. Really well done. And I think there was some concern from from people that once Ramsey had gone, these other judges mightn't be able to sort of carry it off. But, look, they've just done a fantastic job. They actually introed one of the episodes the other night with little um, films they'd recorded away from the MasterChef kitchen, each one of them, which set up the challenge for that night. And it was great. You got to see them. Um, you got to see Melissa with her husband. You got to see Andy at home. You got to see Jock with his... Um, one of his children in the kitchen. Uh, it was just really good and it worked so well. So where we're at, at the, they're still filming the series because they started late this year because of the switchover of judges. Uh, as we record this today, four contestants have gone. There's still 20, so there's still a lot to go in this season. And because the people getting eliminated are previous sort of champions performers, it's, it's a lot more significant than a sort of a, a nobody getting booted off. The one thing I will say is I thought a very strange thing happened last Thursday night. They screened MasterChef from 7.30 to 9.45. They screened two episodes together. They did MasterChef and then they had a master class that was clearly meant to be a separate show on another night. But I heard about it because I just happened to glance onto Twitter and all these people were complaining that Gogglebox wasn't starting till 9.45pm at night. It was like, what are you doing, 10? You could have had another night of Masterclass 
why would you dick around with Gogglebox when it is also in the middle of a ratings upsurge and is about to finish for the year because they have these ridiculously short seasons? It was just like, what are you doing? That could have been a Friday or a Saturday night extra edition of MasterChef. It was very strange. Yeah, I think they're always wary of um, putting uh, Masterclass up by itself because it just doesn't perform that strongly. Um, so yeah. I think they really feel the need and they, I guess they were caught in a bind. I think there's just one goggle box to go this week, isn't well, there? Yeah, this is the last goggle box this week, you know, so. Right. There's, um, just let me check my uh, TV guide. I'm not sure if it's on late again, is it? The, the final. Well, I don't know because that was a last minute program change when it was last week. There was nothing in the guide that said it was going to start at 9.45 at night. Okay. Um, this week it's down to start for 8.30 p.m. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so let's uh, see what happens there. Look, while we're on Gogglebox, there's been a few um, reports in recent days about celebrity Gogglebox might be on the drawing board, and I I just Googled it before, and the Daily Mail ran a story on it at the start of this month that there were some discussions and they had some um, potential names who could be joining the show. But to me, it sounds like a pretty sound idea. It does sound like a sound idea, except how are they going to do it with social distancing? Because if this is based on celebrity goggle box from the UK, which it will be, you know, we're talking about celebrities that don't normally share houses together. It's, you know, when I've watched the UK version of it, it's Boy George and somebody else and they're in the one house together, but clearly they don't live in the same house together. So I don't... Yes, it would be a good idea to do it here in Australia if we pick the right people, but I don't know how they're going to do it any time in the near future with social distancing. I would be, I would much prefer it that while we're in these uncertain times... I would rather see Gogglebox having an extended season and not disappearing off air tomorrow night. I think it's a source of real comfort uh, to people every week to hear those little stories from all our favourite Gogglebox's about how they're coping. And I think they should extend the current season rather than think about this because they can't do it anytime soon uh, with social distancing. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> I hadn't thought that through. The, so you can't really have one person doing it, can you? Not really, no. It's yeah. got to be, yeah. Well, you could pair them up remotely, perhaps. Yeah, but, you know, part of the whole thing is sit, sitting them on their couch, seeing mm. what sort of slippers they wear, you know, what sort of drink they've, they've uh, poured, what cocktail they're drinking. I don't think you can do a celebrity goggle box with two people in different locations. They've got to be in the same room because that's where the chemistry and the chatter comes from. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got to speak to Nine's Adrian Swift earlier this week about Nine's plans for the rest of the year. I wanted to check in on on how that um, their response to the regulations regarding uh, living under sort of a coronavirus um, threat had impacted them. And they're not going to have too much trouble this year. They've, um, of course, Maths has got away okay. Lego Masters, no problem. The Voice, they've filmed two-thirds of it. There's just one-third still to go. And the impact there will just mean there'll be some coaches, some contestants in remote locations. Others will be able to be in the studio. And he said he thought that works pretty well. Indeed, he thinks it might almost be more attractive to some viewers, the sort of 
change of dynamic that might bring to the show. Yeah, I mean, well, so many of these shows, if they're going to tweak their format, they do it at the start of the show. But The Voice now has this great opportunity where the last third of the show uh, they will have to, you know, fiddle with to make it work uh, in COVID. So, yeah, they, they hopefully if they do it right, the viewers will stay on board for it. I imagine that if you watched two-thirds of The Voice that you would give up just because the coach is... Uh, coaching you remotely. You know, the audience will stay with it if they get it right. Sure. Um, they managed to get away the filming of um, Australian Ninja Warrior before um, right. the, all the lockdowns came into effect. And, of course, that's another Endemol Shine Australia program. And it moves location for the third time in three years, staying in Melbourne. If it goes to the showgrounds um, right next door to where Endemol Shine, of course, also make MasterChef. Right, okay. <laughs> so so that, that works really well for them. Probably the biggest challenge they've had this year probably is with the block, which I think the block, it wasn't even quite halfway through when the uh, lockdown came into effect. So they shut down the set. They sent the contestants back to their families. Um, and But they kept on, they kept the construction work going because they briefed uh, a lot of their tradies and things like that. So they've been filming that construction work. The contestants will come back towards the end of the build to supervise the final uh, touch-ups. But he right. wasn't able to tell me when that will happen. I guess that will rely on the, um, on the sort of lockdown regulations starting to be eased. I know in New South Wales that happens this week. I think you're allowed to have two people allowed to come and visit you at home now. So, so we're starting to see that pull back a little bit. His big concern is with 2021 and obviously a program like Married at First Sight. He said to us, look, that can't continue next year as we did it this year. So obviously yeah. those um, lockdown regulations, living with a stranger is a big no-no. And, you know... Well, <laughs> What are, they must be now thinking, holy crap, if we can't start 2021 with our biggest show, what can we put there instead? I mean, it, that leaves a huge gap in their schedule. So I would imagine that they would be madly figuring out what they would start the year with if they don't have maps. It's a, God, I can't help them with that. That leaves a massive hole, doesn't it, James? Do you think they could choose couples, then put them into a quarantine period for two weeks or whatever it is? Yeah. If you do that and then you, you'll go into quarantine. You know, if, you, if you meet a new partner, say, you could go and live with them, can't you? There's no rule against that. You might have to stay in quarantine with them for a fortnight. But once yeah. that period's up, I guess you can carry on. It's such a crazy, ever-changing situation, isn't it? I mean, we could get a second wave and all be put back into lockdown. But, yeah, I'd like to think that what you're saying, there would be a way of doing it. In fact, a 14-day lockdown <laughs> for those, I mean, if you're looking for fireworks, I mean, some yep. of them are ready to rip each other's hair out after two days. Imagine after 14, James. Could be the craziest season yet. <laughs> It could, it could, and I guess there'll be no new uh, Hamish and Andy perfect holiday this year because you just can't travel anywhere. Although Nine, Nine is giving the uh, last year's a rerun, rerun at the moment and its uh, ratings have been pretty bad to start with. 
Yeah, I saw that it didn't have a, a good uh, second audience, second time around. Yeah, it's the sort of show you'd expect them to put it up on Gem or Go or something, but it's. Uh, I guess they thought they will give it a try at 7.30, you never know. Yeah. It just, it just didn't work. Um, Unorthodox, a new series on Netflix. Wow, it's a pretty amazing show. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. Short, wasn't it? Just four episodes. Sort of one it, took me, it took me a while to watch it. You know, I didn't watch it all in one hit. I kind of spaced it out because it's a, it's a tough watch. You kind of have to be in the right mood and headspace to watch it. Uh, but absolutely fascinating, you know, uh, to get into uh, the workings of a religion and, and, and look at someone trying to escape that religion. It was very, very interesting. And, and I always find it very interesting because it doesn't matter whether you're doing a story about um, Hasidic Jews or uh, Muslims or Catholics, whenever you are going into this kind of really devout, uh, almost cult-like state, uh, th- there's a lot of drama there with, uh, if you're going to do a fiction on that, when, when, when someone leaves that church, as we see in uh, Orthodox, they don't take kindly to it and they immediately, uh, they're either going to banish you completely or they're going to try and drag you back. You know, but uh, yeah, it's always interesting to me to have a look at uh, the the mindsets behind those sorts of groups that choose to live so very different from everyone else uh, around them. I was very impressed by the production qualities. I mean, it's really like an old-fashioned art house European movie, isn't it? The way yeah. it's sort of very formalised, very structured, um, and it gives you such a peek into that sort of Jewish um, New York. Orthodox community, I mean, something I've never had any experience of and I, I was just quite amazed and I'm guessing it's fairly authentic in the way they've recreated everything that happened. Well, there's a special on Netflix called Making Orthodox okay. and it only goes for about half an hour and I watched it and I was astounded to learn that they filmed the whole thing in Berlin. Oh, really? They found the Berlin to double as New York. The whole production was filmed in Germany, which just made me go, wow, because I totally was watching the whole thing going, wow, this is an expensive shoot. They filmed it in New York and then they went all the way to Germany to do it. But, yeah, that was, uh, that's where they were all the, all the time. Yeah, gee, the things that, um, that those people in that religion go through, wow, it, it must really test some of them. It's just incredible. That uh, yeah. lead actress, uh, Shira Hass, who plays... Uh, Esty, who's the uh, 19-year-old Jewish woman in an unhappy relationship. Um, no spoilers here, but she's, she leaves New York, runs away from the husband, goes to Berlin to get rid of yeah. him. And um, it's just incredible. The, um, and I really like the way it ended too. I'm not going to give it away. But it, it felt like to me it was an ending. Yes. You get to the end of so many of these shows and they set it up. You're not quite sure. They... They leave a gap for another series. But this one, to me, really felt like the story had reached a conclusion. Yeah. And that that our lead character, she's so integral to it. You know, if you don't, if, you, if you're not interested in her story, you're not going to watch the show. But, you know, she, you're with her the whole way from the moment it starts. She, before you even know what she's running away from, you're almost saying, run, run, I'm with you. Get out of there. 
<laughs> there's a, it's a, I call it a little show, but it's not a little show. It's actually the biggest uh, factual program on Foxtel, their most successful uh, factual show, if you like. And I guess I'm putting things like um, Selling Houses Australia into the lifestyle category. So it's not yep. with this, but it's Aussie Gold Hunters and it's on the Discovery Channel. And it always amazes, well, I'm sorry, it, it never ceases to amaze me how well it does in the ratings, this program. Because whenever wow. the season on, you look at the subscription TV ratings and there's this little show, Aussie Gold Hunters, sitting at the top. So this, wow. is, this is season five, which starts on um, Thursday night this week on Discovery Channel, season five. Now, Discovery commissioned season five and season six together, 40 episodes. Wow. Now... <laughs> Does it also go, does that mean it's screening around the world on Discovery Channels or does, does it also screen on Netflix around the world? Don't think so. And no, I think it's a Discovery property globally. Right. right. Um, started just in Australia. It's, then it's spread slowly to other markets around the world. Started to do, do very well in the UK and Ireland for Discovery. And then more recently, it's been picked up by the US on the main Discovery Channel. And there's sort of a companion show called Outback Opal Hunters, yep. which is a similar thing. And it's just everyday people go into the outback, have a, um, what do you call it? I don't know it's a mining licence, but it's like an exploration or a licence to, to go out and fossick for gold. You have a metal detector and you just uh -huh. dig up and try and find uh, nuggets that are lying around near the, the top of the soil. And um, the first I was just going to say, James, the first job I had in 1980 when I worked for Queensland Tourist Bureau, I was, uh, I was sent off on a road trip with the manager to drive from Rockhampton to Emerald and Barcaldon and all of those, you know, sorts of towns that do that to inspect the accommodation there, to do uh, their 12-month inspection. So, yeah, I've, all, I've always remembered, you know, me as a little kind of uh, wide-eyed kid straight out of school going into these mining communities and just going, wow, this is really full on. Yeah, I was speaking to uh, Darren uh, Chow from uh, Discovery just earlier today and he was talking about how this, as the show grew in popularity, so did the... Um, it created a bit of a burst in gold fossicking. You know, people were buying metal detectors and getting out there. Tourism was growing in a lot of the regions in um, Western Australia where they film, and their scenery is just stunning. They, the, um, I also spoke to the um, CEO of the production house, which is Electric Pictures. They're over in Perth, and he said they were into um, they were into um, drones very early on in the piece. And wow. You know, and just their drone work is just fantastic. It's, There's also a great Australian film that was made out on the gem fields uh, around Emerald called Buddies mm -hmm. uh, in the early 80s with Harold Hopkins, Colin Friels and Chris McQuaid. And uh, when they put that out onto DVD, I interviewed Harold Hopkins and Chris McQuaid for it. And both of them had said that for, you know, their entire careers, people had always come up to them and said, wow, wow, that movie where you were, you were digging for gold and yeah, that movie, why, when, how can we see that movie again? And it, uh, so there was a clue there that this little Australian film that didn't do really well at the box office, um, people never forgot 
forgot about it and basically it took years and years and when it came out on DVD, a lot of people were really excited and happy, including all the people out there in central Queensland that had been wanting to see it again, you know, and waited a long time. So there's definitely an audience for that type of story. Yeah, look, I've, I've watched a couple of episodes this week before I knew I had these interviews getting up and I've sort of become a bit addicted. It's, um, it's so, so amazing. These just it's everyday people, they go out there and, and they earn a living out of it, you know. They, they, yeah. they might find, you know, $70,000, $100,000 worth of gold in the, what they call the gold season because I don't think you can go out there when it's so hot. Um, yeah. It's just unbearable. So you have to pick the times of year you can do it. And um, they're, they're managing to um, make, it, make a living out of it. So, yeah, so it's Aussie Gold Hunters on Discovery. Starts this week. Foxtel and it's on demand. I think yeah. uh, Nine Rush have a lot of Discovery content, but at the moment these two shows I think are still Foxtel exclusive. Yeah. Um, have you got anything you've, you've sort of been watching you wanted to give us a um, um, heads up on? Yeah. I watched the second series of Afterlife, Ricky Gervais' series. Oh, okay. You know, you just smash it in a night, James. It's six half-hour episodes, three hours. If you're into it, you'll watch it straight away. Um, I'm very excited waiting for Ryan Murphy's new show, Hollywood, which begins on Netflix Friday 1 May. This is kind of his reimagined look at early Hollywood where he changes a few people's fortunes and goes off and tells his own story. But, you know, he does period very well. Uh, I can't wait to see what he does with it. And my big tip for something to watch and clever programming in the age of COVID, SBS Viceland or SBS have gone into the vault and pulled out this bizarre little one-off movie the British made many years ago, I reckon probably about uh, like 12 or 14 years ago, and it's called Dead Set. And it's about a zombie attack in the UK while they're filming Big Brother. And everyone in the Big Brother house is still making the show, unaware that the world outside has this zombie attack. And then, of course, the zombies get into the TV studio. Now, that is brilliant. It's a great shot. It's a great movie. It stars Davina McCall, the real-life host of Big Brother UK at the time. She plays herself in it. And it's just, you know, as we know now, the people in the Big Brother house in Australia for Channel 7 stayed in the house while all this crazy self-isolation stuff was going on. So the fact that someone at SBS remembered that there was a movie made that sort of was along these lines and they've pulled it out and it's definitely SBS Saturday the 2nd of May at 9.20pm and I'm sure it'll be on SBS On Demand. It's fantastic. If you like your zombie movies or you like Big Brother, you've got to see this mashup of the two of them dead set. Was this was there a spin-off TV series or something or...? No, it was like a one-off TV movie. It was made for TV or maybe three episodes or something. When I look at it in the TV guide, it doesn't finish till 12.15. So that suggests there's two or three. I think it's back-to-back episodes. Okay. So that's what it is. They're playing the whole series back-to-back. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Really clever. Fantastic. Um, Just on Afterlife, no spoilers, but is the dog still in it? Yes. That's actually his dog, I think, isn't it? Yeah, look, you know, the, 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 uh, it's a German shepherd and the yeah. dog's still a 
very big part of it. Um, I've, been, I've talked to a few people about this show too. You know, there are some some lines of dialogue and some scenes where you just kind of go, whoa, that's right. that, that, that could be going too far. Right. I go with it because I'm in Ricky Gervais' world and I, his character's meant to be hideous and every now and then you'll see a lovely side of him when he's having a good day. But, yeah, a couple of people have said to me, whoa, that, that character or that scene that was just too much. And I go, yeah, okay, I do. I, I do kind of see that, that it's, it won't be everybody's cup of tea. Right, right. I just wanted to make another shout out to The Secret She Keeps, which is yes. now, now running. We, we talked about it and was, I think, just on demand on 10 Play. It's now running on 10, I think it's Wednesday nights. Um, yes. Look, uh, do yourself a favour. It's such a brilliant little show. It's really very, like very very good, yeah. The secret she keeps, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm still sort of in catch up on a lot of uh, content. I, um, I'm trying to keep up with Killing Eve, which is yep. um, going on the ABC. Um, otherwise, dipping into the um, the, the back catalogue, trying to write off some, um, put some ticks beside things I haven't seen yet. I discovered, uh, the other thing I discovered is on the History Channel, I discovered America in Colour. And you've heard me speak many times about what a great series Australia in Colour was. So I've been trying to catch some episodes of that. You know, it's where they find old black and white footage, they colourise it, but then they kind of have a a new look at the history uh, and sort of go, wow, this was really inappropriate, wasn't it? But but here it is. So I've only seen one episode so far. but yeah, it's it's uh, we got a lot of time to watch shows, James. I'm looking everywhere for TV tips. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have, and the, the sort of interest in that day to day developments again in the fight against coronavirus. Uh, you sort of know what's what's happening now. There's so I think people are not flocking to news as much as they did, and now they're starting to, to look for other things. I know myself. I was spending quite a lot of time watching news coverage. Maybe yeah. almost a bit too obsessively. Um, I've been having a lot of bad dreams subsequently, so I've tried to cut that down. Although I did yeah. find those um, daily briefings that um, Donald Trump was giving as just, I just couldn't, it was such a car crash, I had to watch those. Yeah. If only because you rarely get such a, a daily insight into the workings of government, let alone with a person who's so sort of crazy. Yeah, look, I hit news overload. I've been watching a lot less news than I was a few weeks ago. I'm actually spending, uh, when I'm not in the house, I've got the headphones in and I'm listening to Malcolm Turnbull's book. He reads the audiobook version of it. And not only that, James, he does the voices. He mimics Alan Jones. He mimics Donald Trump and some of his own ministers. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I said that Ryan Murphy, I think, is out uh, Saturday this week after we record this. So, that the Ryan Murphy Hollywood. Hollywood is coming. Yeah. Oh, what I did come across too is the Judge Apatow um, doco on uh, Gary Shandling. Oh, really? Where's that? Which is up on Foxtel. I I remember reading about this last year, and I don't think it was here then, but I I just cropped up on my Foxtel homepage. if you, because if you click that home button now, you get this home page of sort of recommendations, I guess. And it's yep. two very long, like the first episode's about 90 minutes, the next one's over two hours. And it's just fascinating. 
on the life of there's Gary a, Campbell. There's another documentary that we we have to catch up on, James, you and me, because we're into music, and it'll be on SBS On Demand, which is I've now noticed is on my Foxtel box there next to ABC, iView and Netflix, they're doing a three-part documentary called Punk, all about punk music, okay. executive producer Iggy Pop, and it screens on TV on a Monday night at 8.30pm, so there's, there's too much else on a Monday night at 8.30pm to watch it live, but it's on my list for something to watch on SBS. Okay, good stuff. All right, we might leave it there, Andrew. Look, always good talking to you. Take care. Stay safe. Thanks, James. Have a good week.